0: Sort of the the scripture that we landed on at the beginning was Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. This is a message translation. Some of you have read this before in a different translation. Here's sort of where we anchored our time last week. Those who wait upon God get fresh strength. We said last week. Uh, that sometime during this year, and we know we're still in the beginning of the year, and some of us are still pursuing our goals and our, and our resolutions if you do that, but at some point during this year, we said last week, you're going to need some fresh strength, that at some point, you're going to get tired, at some point, you're going to get weary, at some point, things are going to go off course and so last week we talked about a path to fresh strength that Isaiah is prophesying to the nation of Israel. I'm going to give you just the quick two points that we gave you last week, and then we're going to jump into the last three that I couldn't cover last week. Number one, we said if you want fresh strength, you got to remember that God has made a covenant with his people, that God has made a promise, that God said that you are still my people. Doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made, doesn't matter how many wrong turns, that God cannot stop loving you, that God loves you no matter what. As a matter of fact, God can't love you any more than he loves you, and he certainly can't love you any less than he already loves you. God has made a promise, and if God makes a promise, you can cash that check and take it to the bank. The reason why you can get fresh strength is that you have to remember that God has made a covenant. With his people, And then here's where I ended up last week, and I told you I couldn't finish it all. We said that point number two, if you want to get some fresh strength, remember community. So if you go back and listen, I talked about the fact that God gave this message to an angelic council who delivers the message to the prophet, who then turns around and gives the message to the community. But the voice of strength that was delivered to the prophet was delivered in community. I challenge you with this last week that we have to begin to return to a point in time in our Christian faith where we actually believe in the strength that is found in what we do here. Yeah, I challenged you last week, man, barring being sick or vacation or something coming up that you don't really have any control over. Make sure that you make coming to church a priority because there is strength in this community that you will leave out of here feeling better. Everything that you need to make it through the week comes in community, that we need one another. And so can I just challenge you again, unless you're sick or on vacation, please take your vacation. I'm not being legalistic. Make sure you take your time off because God knows I'm going to take mine. But barring anything that you cannot control, can we make this an an agreement that we're going to make a covenant with one another, that we're going to stick together and we're going to show up that every time the doors of the church open, I want to enter into his courts with thanksgiving and enter with praise because there's something that happens when the community comes together and worships together. Come on, you felt that this morning, that as we worship together and we sung together, some of you that who were weak who walked in here with your head down, something happened when we came together and sung the praises of God. So can we make that a priority? Make sure that you stay in community. Paul talks about this. We said it last week that if there's a buffer between uh, you going back to your old you and you continuing to be the person that God is calling you to be, he says, you know what that buffer is? It is coming together. That's why he says, don't forsake the assembling as others people have done because some of the reason why I've fallen off is because I've begun to miss The community. So I got to challenge you again. Make sure that you make this a priority in your life. Okay. So let's jump in to point number three. I didn't get to it last week, but if you're on the slides back there, we're just going to jump in right where it says comparison. Comparison. I want to just sort of pick up on the theme last week that we are traveling this road to fresh strength, and we need to remember the covenant. And we need to remember community. But then God does something strange as he's speaking through the prophet where he challenges to make comparisons. Okay, so can I just apologize on behalf of all pastors because I know I'm not your first pastor. Some of you have had many pastors over the years. You've moved around. Some of you moved states. You've got different pastors. But I'm just going to apologize. I'm going to be bold enough to apologize on behalf of all pastors. Because we have been teaching you, and there's some truth to it, but I want to fix this, to not make comparisons. He said, don't compare yourself. Yeah, you shouldn't compare yourself to other people. So I found it strange that in this text, when Isaiah is prophesying, that he's actually challenging the people to make comparisons. Here's what I learned, because we're going to do it anyway. It's sort of our human nature. We, We compare. That's how we measure. Let's be honest. Most of us, we want to know how we're doing, don't we? Like it doesn't matter if it's my marriage or my money or work or whatever it is that I'm working on. I need some system to determine where I am and how far I am away from my goal. And so most of us, come on, it's human nature, we like to compare. And so while we've been preaching and teaching for years to stop comparing, I think we need to fix that. We need to make the correct comparisons. Because we're going to always be looking for a way to measure we're doing. We're always going to be looking for a measurement system to understand how am I doing and how far have I gone and how much further do I have to go and so when Isaiah starts to begin to talk about this idea of comparison I think God knows it's our human nature to want to know how we're doing and how far we've come and he says since you're going to make comparisons anyway this is human nature I want to teach you how to make the correct comparisons. Okay some of y'all some of y'all missed it, so let me just give you the two, the two texts because you didn't, you didn't do your homework. You didn't go home and read it like I told you. It, 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 it's cool in the gang. That's why we here. We got it on the screen. I'm going to read it for you. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 18. He says, to whom can you compare God? Okay, that wasn't enough. He has to say it again. Verse, same chapter, verse 25. God says, to whom will you compare me? In other words, he says, you want some fresh strength because I know you're going to compare but here's the problem. We live in a day and an age in a society where we've kind of taken that uh, in the wrong direction. So we use what other people are doing to compare how we're doing. We look at on social media. And I don't want to sound like the old man who's against social media. I love the things that it can be able to do. But can I, we just be honest that for some of us it has become a toxic form of comparison because we're always trying to figure out what everybody else is doing, not realizing that I'm comparing my blooper reel to somebody else's highlight reel. Because can we be honest, the stuff that you've been comparing your life to is the stuff that people curate because they don't want you to see the other stuff and the other mistakes and the other hurts and the other bloopers. So many of us have been caught up in this toxic game of comparing with somebody's highlight reel to my blooper reel. Yes, they got the new job, but they didn't tell you about why they got fired from the old job. Okay, some of y'all just missed that. Yes, they're married, but they're not telling you about how last night they were just fighting. Some of us, we know that... That We have this toxic game of comparison. Here's what God says. It's going to trip me out. He says, look, I know you're going to do it anyway because you want to know how you're doing. you got to have something to measure yourself up against. So let me teach you how to make correct comparisons. He says, I'm going to read it again, whom can you compare to God? Since you're going to compare, let's, let's compare the right stuff. He says it again, verse 25, to whom will you compare Me, if you're going to compare, let's compare the correct stuff. See, when Isaiah is preaching this to the nation of Israel, he's taking a direct shot at the fact that they're in Babylonian captivity. And Babylon was known for having many different gods and many different idols that they worship. And so one of the things that got Israel in trouble was the fact that at some point, we preached about this a while back, God stopped being enough for them. And they found themselves in captivity in Babylon who had, in order to function, they needed to have several different gods that would control several different areas of their life. And so they had a god of the sun and a god of the moon and a god of fertility and a god of this and a god of that. And so they had so many different gods. And here's what God is saying through Isaiah. But how many of those can stack up to me? Some of y'all just missed that because there's many different things that we have put our trust in that never can compare to the one God who can be the answer for all things. See, the difference between uh, what God was trying to get them to do, monotheism, one God, and they had polytheism, many gods. What he was trying to explain to them is that anytime you have a faith where you need more than one God, that God and those gods are insufficient. I am, watch this, the all-sufficient God that you only need one source when you come to me. So since you want to compare, let's compare. How's that working for you? Because what they found themselves doing and what led them down this road to being captive was they found themselves, oh, big Bible word, they found themselves practicing what's called idolatry. Okay, okay. Let me explain something to you. Idolatry, watch this, because many of us think, you know, I, I, don't, I don't do that. But can I just explain to you sort of the, the idea behind Idolatry. It is the result of being dissatisfied with God's design of things. That whenever God stops being enough, I will find a way to create or recreate God in my own image. And I will create things that I want, watch this, to represent the God that I want to have. So it's more than just statues, watch this. It's about creating a new story about God and consequently creating in those stories new standards. Okay, some of y'all just missed that because don't we live in a day and age now where uh, because we don't like uh, how God designed things, because we don't like how God operates. Come on now, it doesn't have to be everything. There might be one area in my life where I'm just not really feeling that, God, and so let me recreate God in my own image. And it's not about having little statues. It's about changing standards. What ends up happening is because At one point in their life, you got to read the whole thing. That's why he's telling them to wait on him. We'll get to it in the end. Because at some point in their life, maybe perhaps Israel was waiting on God to do something. Maybe they were waiting on God to perform a miracle. Maybe they were waiting for God to come through on his promise. Anybody in here ever had to wait on God for something? And in the midst of you waiting on God for that, you start to try to figure out a better way to come on now. Let's Okay, the middle side, y'all being too holy, let me come down here because y'all feeling me. Anybody in here, just throw your hands up and say, I feel that, Pastor. I have been in positions in my life where, God, you taking too long, so I'm going to come up with a better idea. And can I just tell you that the foundation of idolatry is saying, God, I am dissatisfied with how you determine how to work this out. I am dissatisfied with how you designed this to work out. And so because I'm dissatisfied, I'm going to recreate you in my own image, and I'm going to retell the story, and I'm going to change the standard. Okay, some of y'all, uh, you know what I'm talking about because you have had some situations in your life where you've had some standards, and because it was taking too long, you started to Your okay, some of y'all know I'm talking about. Can I just talk to my singles in here? All my singles, throw your hand up. Can I just tell you, don't lower your standards. Just because it's taking God a while to come through on what he says, don't lower your standards because, in effect, what you're doing is you are creating something else. Watch this to distract your attention from God and God's plan onto something else. And before you know it, you will find yourself traveling the same road that Israel traveled right straight into Babylon. And now, because you got you left the God who can take care of all your needs, you find yourself needing things from every little God you can create in your life. Some of y'all just missed that because some of us our work is our god, some of us our marriages is our god, some of us our children are our god. Come on now. And I need you to be something for me that you can. That's why I don't like to be around people who don't have a strong relationship. I mean, I want to I want to you know have relationships with people who don't with Christ, but in my inner circle, I can't have somebody who don't have a strong relationship with Jesus why? Cuz you need too much for me. Some of y'all just some of y'all just missed that. Those are the people who calling you all the time. They need you to feel stuff and can you help me out and I don't know what to do baby I want to help you but can I just tell you I'm not Jesus you need Jesus in therapy come on baby I can't be your all and all at some point you got to have a relationship with Jesus on your own because when you don't you're going to start needing stuff from everybody except God that's why I tell people look I, I want to be we can be cool but You got to strengthen your relationship with Jesus because I can't be your all in all. You can't call me for everything in the middle of the night. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about who are a little bit older because you know when I can't call nobody else in the middle of the night because I have one God who can meet all of my needs for all eternity, I might not be able to get a hold of you in the middle of the night, but I'm thankful that I can call on him. Okay, the church I grew up in said, Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. Call him up and tell him, come on now, anybody else in there feel that? Because I can't always get you in touch with you. You might not be able to meet all my needs, but I have a God who is all sufficient. God says, who can you compare to me? How does that work out for you? You have all these different places you're trying to get your needs met. And he's saying to Israel, if you want fresh strength because you want to compare, you want to see how you're doing, let me tell you how you can fix that. Listen to this. Compare Correctly. I'm going to read it again, verse 18. To whom can you compare God? Verse 25, God says this because 18 was a prophet. Now God shows up for himself, his, his own voice. He says, to whom can you compare to me? I'm everything you need. I grew up in the church, man. I grew up in an old Baptist church, man, and, and they used to say it like this, can't nobody do me like Jesus. I don't know anybody who can love me the way that God loves me. I know you love me. I know my family loves me. I know my wife loves me. But can't nobody do me like Jesus. And anybody here that knows that when it push comes to shove, there's only one person that I know who has the capability to meet all my needs, and his name is Jesus. Isaiah says, since you're going to compare, let's compare Correctly. Let, let's, let's not compare uh, the size of your problem, watch this, to your ability. Let's compare the size of your problem to God's ability. See, that's where some of us miss it. The reason why I worry and stress out sometimes is because I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to answer a problem or solve a problem in my own strength. But God says, don't compare your problem to your strength. Compare your problem to my strength. Who do you know that is like God? Who do you know that can pick you up and turn you around? Who do you know that can make a way out of no way? Who do you know that can answer a prayer in the middle of the night? Who do you know that can come in in the 11th hour? Who do you know that can suddenly perform a miracle. Who do you know that's like God? He says, don't compare your problem to how strong you are. Compare your problem to how big your God is. And I don't know no problem that you will ever face in your life that is bigger than the God you serve. That's why I pray big prayers. Because if I'm going to ask God for something, it might as well be big. He says, come on. Don't compare compare, uh, how Babylon does worship because their, their faith is so weak, they need several gods. He says, but when you got a strong faith, you can believe in one. So, so let's compare this. How's that working out for you? How has... Been making your work, your God been working out for you. All it's done is left you stressed out. And now you're serving your job and your boss. How has making your relationship the most important thing in your life? Because all that's done is stress you out. Now you need something from someone who can't give it to you. And how has uh, your money, how's that worked out for you? Because you made that your source. And now that you don't have any more as you used to have, all of a sudden now you got more problems. He said, stop trying to get your fix from all these little things. There is one God and nobody compares to him. He says, you want fresh strength, make correct comparisons. Nobody can do for you what I can do for you. You ever had a friend or a family member in your life where you, you, you kind of had maybe, I'm not endorsing this, but come on, let's be real. You, you maybe had like a disconnection or maybe something happened and, and you just let them walk away and you just kept saying to yourself, you didn't say it to them out loud, but you just kept saying, you're going to miss me when you're gone. You know what I'm talking about, right? Or that job that they didn't realize what they had. They said, you're you going to miss me when you, come on now, because you don't know what you have. So I do my job so well that you're not even going to know until I'm gone how well of a job I did. That's what God is saying to Israel. He said, I did my job so well in your life that now that you walked away from me, now you can appreciate how good I really am because now you've got to go to several sources to get from me what I would have gave you through one God. He said, you're going to miss me when I'm gone. He says, compare correctly. You got to understand this is our human nature. It's okay to want to know how you measure up and how things are going. But instead of measuring up stuff that doesn't matter, measure what matters most. What does my relationship with God look like? Most of us, the reason why my strength is being diluted is because I've been distracted from the one thing that matters the most. Where do I stand right now in this moment, in this day, not last week, not last year, but as I'm looking for strength, where do I stand right now with God? Not how much money do I have, not how terrible are my problems, and I'm not making light of that. All those things are true, but if you want fresh strength, keep your eyes fixed on how big your God is. He says make a comparison to how big God is. Okay, so so number three, remember the last two from last week, covenant community. Number three, if you want fresh strength, Make the correct comparisons, because it helps to make things stay clear. All right, here's number four. Isaiah says this, verse 3 of chapter 40. I I love this. Check this out. He says, "Clear clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make straight a highway through the wasteland for our God. My wife and I and my family, most of y'all know this, we live in Noonan. Uh, and so for years, when I used to have to travel to LaGrange, uh, th- there, was, there was too far of an exit in between. So you know how it is when, like, the place you need to go to is right here. And the exit, there's an exit before that. And then there's an exit like five miles after that. And it used to be irritating because there wasn't something that was right there. And so a few years ago, some of y'all who travel up and down 85, you, you noticed that they created a new exit Uh, Between 47 and I think it's 41, they created exit 44. Anybody else? You seen that? And so as I was driving, what I saw them do was to start to knock down trees and to clear out this seemingly wilderness-like area so that they can create an exit ramp. That's what Isaiah is doing. Some of y'all just missed that. He says, you got yourself in the trouble. You are now in Babylon because of your choices. You wanted to run after these many different gods to be your source, and now you are serving gods that have no power. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a way out of this situation, but the way out, watch this, is going to go straight through A wilderness. Some of y'all just missed that. In other words, he says, here's a fourth thing that you need if you're going to get fresh strength. You got to be willing, watch this, to do some construction. Here's where it gets tough. Because there is no magic formula for you getting out of the situation you're in or getting into the fresh strength that you need. In other words, God is telling them the fresh strength that you need is going to require you to do some work. There's some stuff, watch this, that's going to need to be torn down and there's other things that you're going to have to build up. In other words, the path to fresh string means you got to be willing to put on your boots and your hard hat and punch your lunch pail and punch your ticket in and say, I'm ready to get to work because there's some stuff that if I need some strength, I'm going to have to build it. He says, did you catch what he says? He says, uh, make clear a way through the wilderness for the Lord and make straight a highway through the wasteland. See, the prophet Isaiah paints an image of a rough road that leads out of Babylon. Here's why that's important. Because literally the road that led into Babylon was a beautiful road. It was paved. It was ornate. Some scholars say that they used to have, uh, they used to have like ornaments and decorations on this road, and there would be lots of dancing and singing, and the road was beautiful. And so no wonder why I didn't mind traveling that road. Watch this, because it looked good, And, and it was pretty, and it was attractive, And so why wouldn't I travel a road that looks good? This looks like the way I should go. This this looks like the best opportunity. This looks like what I should decide. This looks like the job I should take. This looks like the person I should date. It looks pretty. It's dressed up. The problem is, is that after a while and by and by, you went from enjoying the road to ending up in Babylon, being enslaved to a God who can't help you. And God says, watch this. God is so, this is why I love. God is so much smarter than we are. Watch this. He says, I'm going to get you out of this. But the way out of it can't be like the way you went into it. In other words, the road to fresh strength and the way out of your situation. Two or three of y'all, on the sound of my voice, you need to hear this word right now. The word, the way out of your situation, watch this, is not going to be pretty. The thing that got you in the situation, watch this is you follow the path of least resistance. It was pretty. It looked good. She looked good. They smelled good. He was funny. I started dating him. I spent my money on this. The credit card gave me this, and I did all this stuff, and it looked good when I started down that road, and then one day I woke up enslaved to a God who can't help me. God says, I'm going to get you out, but I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be work, and did you catch what he says? The road is going to be in the middle of a wilderness, and it's going to go straight through a wasteland. Okay, can I just say this? The path to fresh strength ain't sexy. It's not going to feel good. It ain't going to look good. It ain't going to sound good. All of your five senses, I'm going to be telling you this is bad. God says, but the way I'm going to get you out of it is not by doing the same thing that got you in it. The way I'm going to get you out of it is I'm going to have you do some work, and the work that you're going to have to do is going to have to go straight through a wilderness and straight through a wasteland, and there's going to have to be some construction. It's not going to come easy. Can I just say this? The road to fresh strength isn't attractive, but it is effective. Can I just challenge you? Some of us. There's some stuff that we need to get ourselves out of, and the whole reason why you haven't gotten out of it yet is because you're waiting for a pretty solution. Can I just tell you, stop waiting for beautiful success. Just get started on the job. Because all success ain't going to be pretty, and all strength it's not going to be attractive. Come on now, you know this. You've been to the gym before. You don't look beautiful when you work. Like when you're really working out, when you're really sweating, and you're really putting in some work. Come on now. That's why I go to a gym that don't got no mirrors in there because I know that in the process of me getting stronger, this going to look ugly. But if I hang on in there. Some of y'all just missed that. <laughs> If I just hang on in there, what looks ugly will eventually lead me to the strength I need to be the success that God has called me to be. Some of us got to learn that everything that God calls you to do ain't going to look good. It's not pretty, he says. I'm going to make you clear a way through the wilderness. And I'm going to make a highway in the middle of a wasteland. Can I just say this? Some of us don't realize that God does his best work in the middle of a wilderness. And I have been avoiding the tough decision. Come on now. Some of y'all can get with me. This might be only 10 of y'all in here. I may be avoiding the tough decision. I may be avoiding uh, the tough move. I may be avoiding something that I need to do. I may be avoiding that conversation because I know it's not going to go pretty. It's not going to look right. And and for most of the part, I'm not going to feel it. My five senses, I'm going to be totally against. But he says, sometimes my best work is done in the middle of a wilderness, and sometimes your best route to success goes straight through a wasteland. Be careful about trying to gain strength by doing the same thing that you did that took your strength from you. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make you go out a different way than what you came in through the wilderness. No, no, no. We're not going to take that pretty road out. I could let you take that pretty road out, but I'm not going to let you do that. I'm going to make you do some construction. You're going to have to start to build something. And I just say this, avoiding the rough road isn't supernatural. It's superstitious. Okay, some of y'all, I gotta explain that to you. I had someone the other day, this is maybe like a year or two ago, and I was watching them online, and somebody, a church person, I knew them very well, and they put on there, and and, uh, don't take this as judgment, I'm just gonna tell you what I saw. They said, "Uh, I believe you don't have to be generous and give to God for God to bless you. And then they started to make all this list of stuff that I'm just blessed and look at how I have, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm a pastor, I wanna jump in and say, look, I'm not trying to get in your business. Uh, first of all, that's not the word. Uh, second of all, uh, wh- what you're doing is you're you're getting people to focus on what seems to be the results instead of focusing on the role that you took. Because the problem is, is they're telling you, look at all this stuff I got and I don't give anything. I'm not generous at all. And I believe God's blessed me and God might bless you. He says that he blesses fools and babies. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm sorry. I say. And, and, And and what I wanted to say was, it it looks like you're doing well, but I'm not concerned about what looks like the results. I'm more concerned about the road you took. Because even in Proverbs it says, don't be jealous of people who don't follow God, who seem to be doing, I'm just PLT, Pastor translation, it talks about don't be jealous of the wicked because of what they have, PLT, don't be jealous of what people have because you don't know how they got it. And what I wanted to say was, Uh, if you do things your way, I'm I'm a believer. I believe in doing it God's way. I'm going to try my best all the time to do what God does. I know everybody in here, come on, let's be honest, all of us are not doing everything that the Bible says, but at least we're trying. And I wanted to say, I want to know, because you're saying that you got all this stuff, I'm more concerned about the road you took. Why? Because you can do a lot of stuff. Can I just tell you something that other pastors won't tell you? You can make a lot of money And you could be very successful without God. But you're not blessed. And what I want to know is, what road did you take? Because when you do it your way, you're basically saying, God, I'm going to roll the dice. Because I might get what I want out of life if I do it my way, and I might not. But every time, I'm looking for at least one witness who will say, every time I do it God's way. It is not a roll of the dice that every time I do what God has asked me to do, okay, I said it like this before, I have never obeyed God and regretted it later. I have never done what God has asked me to do and later regret it. Now, I've done a lot of stuff that I wanted to do, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it don't. And so when you avoid the rough road that God is trying to create for you to get out of your situation, it is not supernatural if you happen to succeed. It is superstition because I got to tell you, every time you do what God says it works, sometimes what you do, it might work and it might not. The end result is you're still not going to be blessed. And I would rather take the rough road and know that God is obligated to bless me than to roll the dice and say, I'm going to do this myself and hope that my way works better than God's. Can I just challenge you, some of us avoiding the rough road because we've had some success, that the hardest thing to teach people is is that just because you have succeeded at something without God doesn't mean that you're blessed because we taste a little bit of success and I did it my way and I think okay I don't need God but wait a minute isn't that the same pretty road that you took to get to the place that got you where you are now God says "I'm I'm I'm gonna bring you out but here's what you need to do don't take no chances with it just do exactly what I'm asking you to do if you need strength why would you depend on something superstitious when you can experience something supernatural That when I come out of this wilderness and I come out of this wasteland, people are going to look at me and say, you don't even look like what you've been through. Some of y'all just... Because I can tell you there's some stuff and some fires that I've been through and I come out smelling like roses and people looking around. Now I know what you've been through and I know you lost your job and I know you didn't have any money and I know that this happened in your life and I know that you left you and you don't even look like what you've been through. Can I just tell you when you do it God's way, it might be hard in the beginning, but when you come out, you won't even look like you've been through anything. He says, do it this way. It's going to be hard. But you got to be willing to do some construction. There's some stuff that you got to tear down and some things that you need to build up. Can I just say this? And then we're almost done. Strength is not found in traveling the road of good intentions. Fresh strength is found in traveling the road of good decisions. Whoo! That's good preaching right there. Because can I just tell you, Uh, you can want to go to... To Disney World. You can pack up your bags, pray. You can anoint your car. You have your swim trunks, everything. We ready. We prayed. We had devotion. But can I just tell you? I don't care how hard you pray. If you get on 75 North, some of y'all, some of y'all caught that. I'ma wait. Okay. Okay, they got it back there. Okay. I'ma wait. Okay, now you got it. I don't care how hard you pray or how spiritual you think you are, if you make the decision. To head in the wrong direction, you will end up somewhere that you don't want to go. Okay, I got to tell you this. This is free. Your intentions are not what's going to get you where you want to go. I don't care how much you intend to do something. Your decisions is what's going to determine whether or not you get where you want to go. God said make a decision to take the rough road because I don't care what you intend unless you decide. I'm going to do it God's way. You will never get the strength that you need to make it another day's journey. Fresh strength, I'm going to say it again, strength is not found in traveling the road of good intentions because many of us think that just because I meant well that it's going to turn out well. Can I just challenge you? Don't just mean well, live well. Make good decisions. Because the reason why I'm in Babylon right now is because I made a decision that wasn't good for me. It was good to me, but it wasn't good for me. All right, let's, let's end with this. So I gave you, last week I gave you covenant and community. I just gave you comparison, construction. Here's the last thing, that there's got to be some conversion. So we back back where we started. Isaiah 40, chapter 31, those who wait upon God get fresh strength. Wait can also be translated into hope or trust. It is uh, what English majors call a substantive noun. Some of y'all know where I'm going with this. A substantive noun uh, is a noun that works like an adjective. And the, the, the adjective or the way that it functions means that it actually transforms the noun that comes after it. Somehow, because you read this before, those who wait on the Lord will get fresh strength and they will mount up with wings as eagles. And they will run and not get weary. They will walk and not faint. You heard that before. What Isaiah is saying is that on your way, on the commute, on this rough road, there becomes a conversion that takes place. And so when he says like eagles, he's not literally making a, a simile or a metaphor. He's saying... When you go on this commute, when you travel the, wrong, the long road, when you do the hard thing, when you decide that I'm going to go the way that God is leading me in order to get this fresh strength, he says somewhere along the way you become like an eagle. And you begin to have the strength, watch this, to soar over the stuff that should kill you. Some of y'all, come on now. I need a better church. Because on the commute, there is a conversion that takes place. Can I just challenge you? Start the work. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how weak you feel. It doesn't matter how much money you don't have. It doesn't matter what you, if has called you to do it, start the commute. Because as you commute, there's a conversion. And Isaiah says, when you take this road out, you will mount up and you will become like an eagle. What do eagles do? Eagles have the ability to soar above a storm. And if you want fresh strength, start the commute. Because most of what God is going to ask you to do is not going to be happen in the beginning. It's going to happen as you follow. Isaiah says, there's a conversion that takes place. Do the hard work. Go down the rough road. And somewhere along the way, you'll find yourself feeling real eagle-like. Soaring above your haters. Soaring above your problems. It's like, wait a minute, like, I, f- I feel my, as I used to say in the old Baptist church, I feel my help coming. <laughs> Isaiah says, you want fresh strength? Start. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, start the commute. I know it looks like a wasteland. I know it looks like a wilderness. I know it's going to be hard. It's not as pretty and attractive as the way that got you in it. But I promise you, somewhere along the way, on step 3 or step 4 or step 5 or step 15, I don't know what's going to happen, but Isaiah says somewhere along the way, something's going to transform you. Something's going to happen on the inside of you. And the strength that you need is going to start to exhibit itself in ways that you could never imagine. Do the hard thing. Travel the rough road. Do exactly what God is calling you to do. Don't take chances with your future. You are depending on God for too much stuff this year for you to take chances. You are depending on God for too much stuff not to be praying. Your marriage needs too much. Your finances needs too much. How how dare I depend on God for that much and still decide to do my own thing? So can I challenge you? Start the process, whatever that looks like for you. And somewhere along the way. He says, you're going to start to turn into an eagle. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for fresh strength in a new season. So, God, I'm praying for those who are under the sign of my voice who may already be at that point this year that they need some fresh strength. Maybe something has happened. Maybe they're dealing with grief. Maybe they're dealing with loss. Maybe they're dealing with the loss of a job. Maybe they're dealing with relationship or money problems. God, God. I pray that you would give them the opportunity and the clarity to seek you for fresh strength. And So God, we thank you that even though there's some things that we've allowed to distract our ultimate attentions and allegiance from you, maybe we've set up many idols in our life, maybe we worship things that we shouldn't be worshiping maybe we depended too much on other people or maybe we depended too much on our job or maybe we depended too much on things other than you God help us to reclaim our faith by saying I only need one God who can supply all my needs who can do everything that I need I don't need to depend on other sources and God help us to let that be a source of our strength as we start the process of walking down the road to getting this fresh strength God we thank you and we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. If this is your uh, first time with us, this is a part of our service where we do two things that are important to us. First thing is we give. I say this every week. It's not a uh, wallet issue; it's a worship issue. We give because it's what God asks us to do—to be obedient—to give of our tithe and our offering to support our local church so that we can continue the work of preaching the gospel. And so, if this is not home for you, I don't want you to feel pressure in any way, unless God place that on your heart. But for those of us where this is home, I'm going to continue to encourage you to be generous as one of our values and be obedient to what God says so that we can continue to do the great work that God has called us to do. Second thing that we do is we take communion. We celebrate the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ because in him we have everything we need. That is our strength. And so, again, if this is not home for you, don't feel pressure in any way to take part of this part of the service. If you don't desire, nobody's here to judge you. But this is what we do because it's important to us to celebrate that every week. The prayer team is always available. Two stations in the front, two in the back. You may now come and observe communion.